It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants Mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. We're not going to punch you in the nose. We're here to take your phone calls about the New York Giants at 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513. Or you can hit us up on Twitter. I am at GiantsWFAN. My partner today is Super Bowl champion partner Jeff Fiegels. He is at Fiegels, And, of course, you can always go to Twitter and hit us up on hashtag GiantsChat. So if you're listening to the show and there's a caller on the line, well, over the last few months of this pandemic, you had to wait till that caller got done if you wanted to get into that one phone line. Well, that's not the case anymore. We're now back to full strength. We have total capability, and we have multiple lines. So John can throw you on hold, and we can definitely get you uh, at some point during the course of the program. Again, 201-939-4513. Big day today for the media, Mr. Fiegels, because we had another Zoom call with head coach Joe Judge, as well as a few players. Uh, We talked to Bradbury. We talked to Peppers and we talked to uh, Darius Slayton. But let's start off, if you would, with uh, some comments from you off of some of the things that Joe Judge said. Now, we do know that the media reports that we have seen over the last 46 hours or 48 hours or so indicated that the Giants weren't able to reach a deal with uh, Ross Cockrell, the veteran corner, uh, who had reportedly come in to visit the Giants and take a physical and so forth. Uh, Joe Judge was asked about Cockrell and said, you'd have to talk to the front office about that. But I want to make it clear, we are not necessarily prioritizing a search for a veteran cornerback. We are always looking to make this team better. We actually prefer to try to coach up the guys we have on the roster rather than looking for guys who are outside on the street. Given what the Giants have at corner, do you believe they have enough? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, listen, I think that they they did prioritize a little bit because they went out and tried to sign him. So, I mean, that means that ultimately they wanted him in, and I, I believe that they do need a veteran cornerback to be to come in here. I don't doubt that he wants to see how these younger guys go out and play. But, Paul, we talk about it enough on this show about experience and veteran leadership. Um, right now you've got one guy that has proven over there to be a very good football player, a guy that can take on that leadership role. But behind that you've got a bunch of guys that have just kind of played a little bit here, played a little bit there. Uh, you got a guy maybe Julian Love. You, are you going to move him back from safety to cornerback? So there's a lot of questions unanswered, but there's not a lot of time to figure it out. So, you know, the team is going to have some of these inter-squad scrimmages, and we'll see how they play. And um, then they'll have to go and check the wire and see if they have to bring in a veteran. But right now, I understand what he's saying, and let's just see what these young guys can do. The second point that Judge made, which is of some interest, he said there'll likely be an inter-squad scrimmage every week starting on the 21st. That would be Friday coming up after this one, or a week from Friday, if you'd like to speak some English. Uh, and well, that's the, when they get into their 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 
their phase three, right? That would right. Be well, because when... pads start on the 17th. Yeah, there you go. Okay. So he said that they're going to ramp up their practice this Friday, the 14th, but they still can't use pads. He said that today they started phase two with all 80 players on the field, which made it look like more football than, than anything else rather than the conditioning drills. And they're slowly starting to get into what would be considered normal circumstances. Now, these interest squad scrimmages are very, very important because it will give the players and more specifically the coaches an opportunity to run through a game day experience. Hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious how that's going to run. I mean, a lot of times that the, the these are all it just depends on the coaches it depends on the teams how they do these scrimmages um where they line you know where there'll be a red and a blue or a white and a red or you know what i'm saying paul so are they going to line up one team on the on one sideline one team on the other and then you know if it was me that's what i would do i would treat it like a game situation for substitutions and for signals and getting plays in and out yeah jeff jeff yeah. very quickly joe judge said it'll be treated like any high school or college scrimmage so the offense will oh. be on one sideline oh, okay. and the defense on the other so exactly what you're talking there about. there you go so um and i guess they'll they'll divvy up the, the jerseys right offense and defense so mm-hmm. um that'll be good and and by the way we talked about this a little bit john and i did yesterday and, and i think even the last time that you and i paul talked about a little bit of logistics and how you know you, you don't have those four preseason games and being able to run through your logistics of a game as a new staff this will give somewhat of an idea or I guess a, like an like a beginning of how you're going to run some of your game day operation stuff too i i agree And we have often said that if the preseason games were going to go away, this would be about the only way that anybody would get a sense of what the regular season would hold for them. Uh, The other thing that uh, Joe Judge was asked about was Daniel Jones. Now, we know that Jones looks more bulked up. In fact, he says he's about 10 pounds heavier than when he came in last year. And Judge explained that there could be some added benefit to the bulk. You know, Jordan, I think just overall body strength helps every player as an athlete with explosion and endurance on the field. You can look at a measure of does that help him absorb hits better? You know, I don't know if there's a, an absolute answer for that. Depends on who the hell's hitting him. You know what I mean? But I would just say in terms of it, he's done everything he can to help himself on the field. He's definitely came in in shape. Uh, he looks good in conditioning. You know, we're working right now as far as getting with his teammates and building some time. Now, I would uh, refer people to the show you did with John yesterday. John spent a lot of time going over uh, a lot of what Jones did last season. And I know you guys, you know, talked about this on yesterday's show. So I don't, I don't want to go and repeat that. It's all there on the archive, folks. If you want to go to thegiants.com, you can listen to that. I would say this, though. Joe Judge made it clear this was a natural progression as a player of Jones's stature starts to mature physically and becomes more of a pro in his second NFL season. He made it clear to everybody that he did not specifically ask Jones to put on the weight, the strength, the bulk, whatever you want to call it. He said this is just something that occurs naturally when a player continues to move on in his pro career. Yeah, we touched a little bit on it yesterday. Just, you know, these are things that you do personally as a football player to know that you need to do um, to, to get better. And I feel like, you know, John and I spoke about, you know, ball security and maybe just being a little bit stronger, holding on to that football in the pocket, being able to take, well, you heard Joe, it depends, it depends on who hits you, which is correct. But I do feel like, you know, if you're adding a little bit of weight and, and, 
and for fundamentals and setting your feet and being able to take a good stance, you know, sometimes you, you'll be able to take a hit better. So these are things that I think that he came out with and said, hey, these are the things I want to get better. Got together with the training staff and the weight room guys and said, how do I do it? You know, because there's a lot of different ways to put on muscle and fat. <laughs> I mean, you can lift weights or you can eat uh, ding-dongs all day, whatever you want to do. <laughs> but, I mean, he did it the right way. And, and, you know, I tell you, one nice thing about when you're – an athlete and you go away for a while like the team did and you have a goal in mind to go work out and things when you come back it sure is it sure is fulfilling when people notice when people say to you hey man you looking you look great what have you been doing or you lost a lot of weight or this or that it's kind of good for your ego a little bit so i don't think that daniel jones needs that for his ego i think he needs it for just to help himself and i think he will as a player and i think that you know going forward into his second year and a lot of things that john and i talked about yesterday this these kinds of things will help him definitely it's, it's a natural progression sure it's really absolutely that you've got to do better and you know a lot of the coaches they you either get better or you get worse Right. And so Dan what Reed are you said going, that all the time? Nothing you, what, stays the same. Absolutely. And you, what are you going to do? You're going to sit back and sit on your hands and do nothing. Well, you're not going to get better that way. So you got to find different things to do in the off season to improve your performance, whether it's physically or mentally. And a lot of guys do different types of uh, activities. You know, some guys say, hey, I need to get stronger. Or there are some guys say, you know what? I got to get smarter. I got to learn this game better, you know, calling other older players, having them uh, mentor them for a little bit in the offseason about how to prepare for, you know, watching film, things like that. So you're right. It's a natural progression for these young guys. Again, our number is uh, 201-939-4513. Our phone lines are open. We invite you to get in there. We'll get to those calls in just a couple of minutes after we go through the remaining notes from today's video calls. Joe Judge also, of course, was going to be asked about Jabril Peppers today since this was Peppers' first opportunity to talk to the media since the season ended. And remember, his season ended on uh, the injured list because he had had a fractured back. He says he's healthy. Uh, he had a good off season. He is raring to go. He's out there with the players and feeling really, really good about things. And it sounds like when you talk to Joe Judge about Peppers, he's very excited to have a player of that kind of skill set and capability as well. I see energy. I mean, you hear him before you see him. You know when he's in the room. Uh, he's a lively guy, brings a lot of energy to the team, a lot of energy in the locker room. You can tell he's a football guy. He loves ball. He flies around. You can tell the guys are on the field, whether it's conditioning, whether it's you know, the limited version of practice we had this morning. You can tell football guys he's definitely a ball guy. You know, in terms of his spot on defense, you know, Bart, not trying to be evasive on this, it's going to be whatever we need him to do right there. You know, with his skill set, he's going to factor into a lot of sub packages. You know, traditionally you've seen him play a lot in the box in different schemes and roles. He has that body type that still fits that. But he's going to have to be able to play the deep part of the field as well as the box for us. You know, right now we're working with all of our players in terms of understanding our zone concepts so they understand how we're trying to play, what the spacing on the field and reaction timing is. And we're trying to train them all in the best man techniques within their own skill set and our schemes. So we're going to give him a swing of the bat at a lot of things, Art. We're going to shake it out week by week, however the opponent matches us up. You know, he'll be ready to take on a different uh, position for us. <laughs> now, Jabril Peppers is going into his fourth NFL season. And as Joe Judge has explained throughout the course of the last month, the Giants are cross-training their players in order to be very flexible and to understand they may have different responsibilities depending upon whatever the defensive call may be. Well, Peppers said specifically he worked on his footwork during the offseason. I think as far as the position, you have to have, you know, great footwork. 
Um, and I think that's the, the main component that I was trying to, you know, better myself on is just the footwork, being patient, you know, and it's just not for any specific position. I think that if I better those things, it'll definitely help me translate my game. Now, this is important because, as we have heard, the versatility factor is going to be very, very key in Patrick Graham's defense. Is Peppers going to be playing center field? Is he going to be playing in the box? Is he going to become a blitzer? Is he going to become a little bit of a slot guy on occasion? Could the Giants play a mixture of man and zone in their secondary where he's the guy who's manned up? There are a lot of things that Patrick Graham would like to pull out of his bag of tricks. And if Peppers has indeed improved his foot speed, and we already know he is incredibly athletic, that would only bode well for the Giants. Yeah, you know, you heard him, you heard Coach Judge say, you know, with the swing of the bat, they're, they're going to get a lot of different swings, and that means a lot of different positions. They're going to they're gonna try to find an area where he can, can really fit into that scheme that Patrick Graham is going to bring on game day. And that's what these scrimmages are going to be for. Um, not only him, but for all the other guys that we talk about all the time. You know, we're talking about how you're going to get to the to the quarterback. Well, is it going to be scheme? Is it going to be design? Yeah, I mean, so that's what we're going to see. Um, you know, and Jabril, again, if, it seems like Jabril Peppers has been in the league for 10 years. It's, it's the fourth year. I mean, he's still a young, developing football player. And again, you say the natural progression. Well, he's only in his fourth year. So you heard him. I want to do, I want to work on my footwork. Evidently, he understands that that's what has caused him uh, to not play well at times, and so he's going to go out and try to fix that. Didn't mention one thing about his back, which is a good thing. I like to hear that, that he's not you know, going out there and making excuses about anything, and it sounds to me like he's very healthy. Well, you know what's interesting to me, and, and to be honest with you, Jeff, I think his footwork has been okay. I think the bigger issue for him sometimes has been recognition over the years because we know that he, when he was with Cleveland, one year he was a free safety, the other year he was a strong safety. They moved him around, they used him differently, and they kind of confused him. And it wasn't as if they had a good plan for how to implement his skills. The Giants bring him in last year, and they say, okay, listen, you're basically going to be a strong safety. So he tried to settle in. But the problem was he couldn't really settle in because, again, the Giants had a lot of defensive issues. And, you know, James Betcher was trying to get creative with him. But, you know, they just didn't have enough talent to really make it work. I'm curious. When you look at the potential for a three-safety package with McKinney, Love, and Peppers, think of this now. The last time the Giants did that, they had – Kenny Phillips, Antrell Roll, and Deion Grant back during their Super Bowl season of 2011. The difference between those three safeties and these three safeties are like night and day. Phillips and Grant were not going to be manned up against anybody, and they were, you know, there was not going to be one-on-one out of those guys. Roll could do some one-on-one coverage. Roll could occasionally go into the slot. Hell, he started out as a corner in this league, so he had those kinds of skills. When you talk about McKinney, Love, and Peppers, any one of those three guys on a given play could play somebody in man-to-man coverage, and on any given play, any one of those three safeties could actually line up in the slot. To me, that makes this three-headed safety look a lot more dangerous and versatile than what the Giants used in 2011. Do you agree? Well, yeah, I think I think the athleticism from the current three are much better than those three that you mentioned. 
Um, you know, and I think that, you know, Kenny Phillips was a pretty good guy to play center field, but you know, you're not going to have a lot of faith in him lining up a one-on-one coverage with somebody. So yeah, I think their athleticism, especially McKinney, I think he, I feel like, you know, how many positions he played in college, I think that he could do some really good things there in the right scheme. And I think Patrick Graham is going to try to figure that out. Um, you know, Jabril, a lot of times, you know, you talk about fundamentals and footwork and talk about knowledge of the game and scheme. You know, sometimes when you're out of position, your footwork doesn't work. <laughs> so, I mean, you're, you're all of a sudden you realize, hey, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And right. then and then you got to change your footwork to get to where you're supposed to be. So I think that does have a little bit to play in it. So I am excited about that, that safety position. I think I agree with you. I think this is a really good group of guys here. One other thing that uh, we heard from the conference calls today, uh, in addition to uh, the guys we already talked about, uh, Slayton and Bradbury, also had an opportunity to talk to the media. Not necessarily a whole lot there, other than Slayton having a good time with the fact that during the offseason, because he was trying to maintain his discipline with all of the uh, pandemic protocols, he did a lot of working out with his family. And he had them, you know, tossing balls to him and so forth. And there was a little bit of kidding and joking about that because, after all, you know, he was trying to hone his craft and he didn't have a lot of options. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of guys didn't have a lot of options in these last few months, right? I mean, literally, it's, it's, it's a tough thing. But I just think overall, everybody's just so excited to be back in. And this phase two that they started today when they said they had all 80 guys there on the field and, you know, that seems like football. That's a long time coming when you think about it, Paul. I mean, think about how long uh, it's been since 80 guys have been on the field at the same time. A long, long time. And so that's a that's a great thing. And I know the players and the coaches appreciate that. Now they just need to stay safe and, and really adhere to the rules that they're, that are in place so they can continue to have 80 guys on the field. Our number is 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. We will start things off with line three, where Max from Newark is calling into the program. Hello. Hi, Paul. Hi, uh, hi, Jeff. Uh, Hello. Hi. Good with you guys. Great to talk um, to you. Thanks. Um, I had a question of uh, what, what's, your, what's your thoughts of, of this. I believe you always need either a really good pass rush or really, or really good secondary in order to be effective in the passing game. Um, ideally, you'd want both. But with the addition of Marcus Golston, do you think that's going to help the pass rush um, help out the inexperience of the secondary, or do you still think there's a lot of questions? Uh, and I'll take that answer off the air. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Jeff? Hmm. Well, Marcus Golden um... – we're talking about i think you said colston that sounds like me i use these screws. <laughs> he was a talk. receiver for the saints out of hofstra <laughs> um so i got you know I'm glad to see there's other people that screw up people's names <laughs> um indeed but listen i will tell you that you know marcus is a guy that obviously the leader in the snack sacks last year is going to help them that team so you know where is that pass rush and you you, you hit a good point because you really do need one or the other right because if you do not have a good pass rush, you're going to put those guys out on an island. It's going to ask a lot out of them. Um, and if you do have a good pass rush, then, you know, these guys can take a chance a little bit sometimes and not have to hold down coverage as much. So I think Marcus Golden will give them a little bit of an edge there. And I think he's got a, 
a big chip on his shoulder after leading the team in sacks and going into free agent and not getting a job somewhere else and then having that you know, that one-time tag put on him where he even said he didn't even know what that was. You can you believe that, Paul? I mean, sure. Yeah. And it's so, rarely used, so why yeah, would anybody yeah. understand it when they heard the name of, of the uh, sure. unrestricted free agent uh, tag? I mean, the last guy to, to, to be tagged was LeGarrette Blunt, the running back from the Patriots. Well, that's where they got the idea, I'm sure. And um, But listen, so and that's a dangerous so that's a dangerous thing, And if you, if you ask me. You know, here's a guy that was playing uh, – I want to prove it contract, right? Well, he proved it and didn't get a contract, and now he's got to do it again. And I think Marcus Golden, as we've been around him enough to know, and you, Paul, certainly around, and John have been around him more than I have, he's an outstanding football player. He's an outstanding individual, great in the locker room, and it's good to have him back, and I think he will certainly help that, that pass rush. Absolutely. I run this by you, Jeff, because I've been talking about this for a while, that if Golden came back – the Giants are going to have to figure out how to divvy up their weak side linebacker snaps. Now, if you've got Golden back in the mix, and during his video call, he said he pretty much figures on being the uh, outside pass rush linebacker and then doing some defensive end responsibilities in the sub package, which says to me he pretty much has the same job that he had last year. Good. Well, then, how do you get snaps for Kyler Fackrell, O'Shane Zimenez and maybe Carter Coughlin if he makes the team or, you know, who knows, he could make the team but not necessarily get a jersey on game day. But certainly Golden, Fackrell, and Zimenez are three weak side pass rush outside linebackers. You can't really say that the other two guys are going to play much if Golden is going to be in the lineup most of the time. And quite frankly, based on what he did last year, how could those other guys beat him out for some, some reps? That's what we're going to find out. That's how the competition, that's what they want, right? And, you know, listen, you know that those positions, um, you know, it's really difficult for guys to stay in those positions for 16 games. So I think it's good to have some depth there um, and also on a rotational basis, okay? So, um, you know, one guy gets banged up one week, do you insert the next guy in there and um, maybe one of them can play the other side. Who knows? We're going to find out. I, I don't I, know I, that those other guys, Fackrell and Zimenez, are actually strong side backers. Now, maybe they can prove me wrong, maybe but Fackrell, I don't see it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, and that's the, that's the great thing about I – mean, That's where Carter's playing anyway. Well, I, my, my point is, I mean, they can't play all of them. So, I mean, you're going to have to – There's listen, if, if he beats a guy out doing – I think what's great about all of this, unfortunately, we haven't been able to see any of it yet, and I'm hoping that we can someday, is that um, with competition. This, 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 yeah, <laughs> this new team. I mean, and going out and, and watching the, the competition and watching how these guys are competing on a daily basis, and and really bringing out the best in each other. I, I will tell you from from a from the standpoint of being teammates, um, you want to win. You want to win your own. You want to win that job too. You want to play. And those guys are out there. That's the great thing about being teammates is you're helping each other constantly and you're competing against each other constantly and making each other better. And that's all you want out of these guys. You don't want the prima donna. You know, everybody's talking about this clowny guy. I don't want clowny in here. I really don't. I mean, maybe they sign him. That's great. But, but to me, he seems like a guy that just is out there for himself. And I, don't, I want guys that will play together, the guys that will go to battle each week together and then compete, compete, compete. That's what you need.
Well, well, Jeff, I, I don't know if that's entirely true. I think Clowney's also after the Benjamin Franklins. It's not just himself. I think he wants Benjamin to be a part of that deal. He wants Benjamin <laughs> to ride in the front seat with him. Exactly. Carrying big bags of cash. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, 201-939-4513 if you'd like to give us a call and talk Giants football. You know, I'm going to go to line one, and we have a caller waiting uh, to talk to us. He's from Maine. And I hope that this is one of his intelligent calls for a change. Hello, Charlie. Hey, hey guys. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Hi, Charlie. Hey, uh, hey, how come you said the last caller was great talking to you and you didn't say that to me? I can't understand it. Well, because, Charlie, it's <laughs> talk great talking day. to you sometimes. Sometimes you just are so far off the wall that I don't know what planet you're coming from. Hopefully at the end of this conversation, we can say it was great talking to you today, yes, Charlie. That would be so nice. we will be the judge of that. <laughs> yes, yes. In fact, that's it. Judge Jeff is going to be the judge as to whether or not this is a great okay. call. I don't have a gavel either, but we'll, we'll make it work. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> hey, I just wanted to talk about the cornerback situation a little bit. Yes. See, see, what I don't understand is why Coach Judd said – cornerback is not a priority when actually it was a priority because they brought in a veteran cornerback no hold on charlie hold on hold on he said that getting a veteran cornerback was not a priority he did not say corner was it a priority. He said getting a veteran corner. You're just like the media. You are so like the media. Just turn that thing around so people can see the other (laughs) way. Yes. But why did they bring Corkrell in? He is a veteran cornerback, yeah. and, and, but they couldn't sign him. So why is he saying that? Why didn't he just say, we're looking for a cornerback, we're looking for a veteran guy, this didn't work out, we're going to see what happens with the guys we have, and if we see anybody out there that's going to make our team better, then we'll see what well, we'll do at that point. Charlie, I, I look, I'm very particular about timing and about semantics, and I think that for whatever reason, the Cockrell thing apparently fell apart. So now he gets asked today, and the question was phrased in the context of, you had Cockrell in, and it didn't happen. And obviously he was not going to comment on that. He wanted the front office to deal with that question. But where he stands this morning, with what he has, he made it clear. And so maybe to further... If you want me to get inside his head a little bit, hypothetically, what he could have been saying was that was the the veteran guy that maybe we were interested in. But now that that hasn't worked, there are no other veteran guys who are a priority. Maybe he now feels that they're better off trying to coach up the guys they have than the other fellows who are on the street. And if you look at the list of corners who are on the street, Charlie, it's not exactly a, a Miss America beauty pageant, okay? No, really? no, I understand that. There's I not guess a lot of I, great guys sitting out there. And Logan Ryan has now told people he wants to be a safety, be a which safety. means you yeah, can cross him that. off your list. I, you know, I understand that. What, what, I guess my problem is, is coach speak. You know, why just come out and say, you know, make it simple, make it truthful. Yeah, we were looking for a veteran cornerback. It didn't work out this time. We'll stick with the guys we have. We'll see what we got. And if anything changes, then we'll, you know, see what happens. Well, Charlie, I don't think you should be offended by anything that Coach Judge said. I think what he's trying to do is maintain the proper protocol that the front office acquires the players, and he talks about guys who he has on his roster. 
and I think he just wants to keep that clean and simple. I, and for you to criticize him for that, I, I think is kind of unwarranted. You can read between the lines I, if you want. Well, I always look between the lines because mm-hmm. there's always between well, the then, lines, then, right? Then, then to keep doing it, and I, I feel like you know you answered your own <laughs> question. So I mean, think about it. I mean, you know, and the other thing, I, the other thing I just wanted to say, is that all we're going to do is just sign undrafted free agents? Is that is that basically what Gettleman's going to do? And that's what we can afford. That's what he wants to do. And are those people really going to make a difference on our team? Wait a minute, Charlie. Come on now. When free agency opened, he signed a dozen guys off of other teams. How many more yeah, did but, he I mean, want? Recently, recently, he's been signing free agent guys. What He just picked up his cornerback, undrafted free agent. His name is Prince. He's from the University of New Hampshire, just across the border over here. And all they could say about him, he squats 45 reps. That, wow, great. Can he, can he cover anybody? I'm just surprised yeah. you haven't seen the guy play and already talked to his agent. That's what blows my mind. <laughs> no, but, but Charlie, seriously, think about this. Free agency opened. The Giants had X number of dollars. They decided to go for quantity. They got a whole slew of guys off of other teams' rosters. And then they did the draft, okay, made perfect sense, and now you're in the latter stages of the summer, and the, the movement of players is going to be at a trickle. So, you know, unless you really want them to kind of go off the board and make a big splash for somebody like a clowny, what else do you realistically expect them to do? Well, I, I expect them to get some quality players that will make the team better not just camp bodies that we can cut. Well, you know, that's no, all. I'm- no, have some faith in Joe Judge and his coaching staff who primarily are focused on teaching the guys that they have on the roster. Joe Judge said that again today. His primary focus will always be to try to teach the guys that he already has before he looks outside to somebody on the street. And why shouldn't you give this staff, which by most accounts is elite, why shouldn't you give those guys an opportunity to coach up a bunch of young players who are in camp? Why shouldn't you do that? You might find your next well, Victor Cruz. You never know. Yeah, but I also don't want to be uh, four and twelve and five and eleven. Nobody or does. Three and Thirteen this year. Nobody you know? does. So we need to win now. We need to win this year. This is Gettleman's third year. He okay, needs but to but win. it's Joe Judge's first year. Therefore, he is in charge of trying to build a long-term program. Joe Judge was not brought in here for a quick fix. No, I I understand it. Okay, so, so, you know, you just need a little massage here, Charlie. We got you squared away. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one more thing. You were saying, right, that you think Marcus Golden is going to be taking most of the snaps. It sounds like it. so So we ended up getting frackle, right? All this money we spent for these depth guys, and he had 10 sacks, and now these guys ain't even going to play. So, you know, if that if that's what happens, then why spend all that money on these? I know. Charlie, I'm going, I'm going to tell you I'm going to be very nice to you because I happen to agree with you <laughs> on that point. Okay, I would I would have if it were me and it's not me because I'm not the general manager of the New York Giants. I would have just re-signed Marcus Golden and I would have been very happy to plug him in as the starting weed side backer. And I would not necessarily have gone outside to import a veteran free agent. 
okay? Not someone who okay. plays the same position as Marcus Golden. I would not have done that. But that's the route they decided to take. And now let's see if Patrick Graham can be creative. Maybe Fackrell is going to wind up being an inside linebacker in the sub package. Or okay? maybe Marcus maybe. Golden switches to the other side and Frackle stays there. I well, mean, we don't know you anything know, yet. Patrick Graham, Patrick Graham is now going to need to use all of his creativity to see if he can get enough snaps for everybody to maximize their value. And and so, but yeah. I understand your point, and I'm agreeing with you that myself, I would have just retained Golden and not signed a veteran weak side linebacker. Okay, so you you okay. got me on that one. I, I actually agreed with you all for right. a change. Hey, hey, Jeff, Jeff, how was my call? You're the judge. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you nice talking to you Charlie. There you go. <laughs> Charlie from Portland Maine. Well, I mean, didn't that to what we honest, said to the last guy? Yeah, nice but, talking but, to you. Yeah, and 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 that was actually one of his more logical calls and yeah. it sounded like he was willing to soften some of his edges once we gave him explanations. Yeah. yeah you know, sometimes Charlie sounds like he's from Mars. <laughs> he might be. <laughs> Not no, he's only from Maine. Yeah, <laughs> might as well be from Mars. <laughs> it's far enough away. 201-939-4513 is our phone number. We have lines open. 201-939-4513 to talk New York Giants football. Again, you can always go to uh, Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. Uh, he is at Jay Fiegels. I am at Giants WFAN. I did have something on Twitter that I did want to get to, Jeff. Because uh, somebody had asked me about Jabril Peppers in particular. Uh, hmm. And it was David Grunbaum. He's one of our regulars who often uh, hits me up on Twitter. And I think he's also uh, gone uh, called the show a few times. He's thinking that because of all this talk of Peppers' versatility, and remember in high school and in college then at Michigan, he was a jack-of-all-trades. He's wondering if Peppers should show up some as part of the Giants' offense. I'm telling him no. But I'm curious as to your opinion. Nah, I don't want to. I don't want to play those games. I mean, you know what? I, I just feel like you know that's it's a recipe for disaster. It opens up like you know why you're doing it, and then and it opens up for criticism if he gets hurt. You know, so I think that I think those days are over. The Deion Sanders days, the uh, Jason Seahorn days of the world. You know, they, they just listen. It's hard enough to play this game playing one position. But I, I get, you know what, if you want him to be a playmaker in a different position, let him return some punts, okay? Because I think he does that more or what, better, more better than he would at wide receiver because he doesn't play wide receiver. He's, he's re returned punts in the pros before. He returned punts in college. So let him do that. That's my answer to that. I, I mean, you may not like it, but I think just forget about that. I don't want to see it. As an FYI, in his three seasons at Michigan, he did finish with 45 career rushing attempts and 10 pass receptions. Okay. Now, you mentioned special teams. That was my answer to, uh, to David Grunbaum on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I basically said to him, I would not play Peppers on offense at all. However, right. if it turns out that he is their most dangerous kick return guy, I would not be adverse to allowing him to be the Giants' primary kick returner because I am of the opinion that you have expressed numerous times. Joe Judge wants to win special teams every single every week. week. And to do he that, might. you may need Jabril Peppers' return capability because he is incredibly explosive as a return guy. And given that you now have the uh, love 
and you also have uh, uh, McKinney as as two guys who you believe are are are, are possible starting safeties. Well, now that kind of makes me a little more willing to expose Peppers to the risk-reward factor and say, look, if you can guarantee at least one big return every single Sunday, I think I might take it, Jeff. Okay. Well, I, listen, I, I think when I'm looking at the depth chart, he's on there for the returns, for punts and uh, kickoffs. So, um, you know, we're going to get a chance to see him in one of those roles, I'm sure. Um, I would rather, on punt returns, you know, maybe – Golden Tate's your guy. I mean, he's he's pretty good at, at ball security. I want somebody that's going to give the ball back to the offense in both of those roles. And But as far as excitability and playmaking skills, yeah, let's do it, you know? But I just, I, I just don't want him taking away time to learn plays on offense and, you know, get all crazy about it when I just feel like it's a natural progression for him to just to play uh, on defense and then – you know, back up and then all of a sudden catch a punt or, you know, on a kickoff. I, I want to get back to, to the return game in just a minute, but we do have another caller on the line. So while we do, we go to line one. Scott is from New Mexico. Hello. Hey, guys. How are you doing today? Hi. Uh, I enjoyed the conversation yesterday about Daniel Jones, and I was wondering if you could give me some uh, additional information. Uh one of the statistics that John had quoted was that he was, I think, uh, 34th out of 35 quarterbacks in holding on to the ball long. Does that translate into not being able to read the progressions as well? In other words, going through his first, second, and third progression, and that's a possibility as to why he holds the ball that long? It can. It can. Absolutely. Well, if, um, if you guys want me to jump in real quick, because I looked at that a little bit, Okay. Um, and just very quickly, I, I think processing time, and this is something Paul and I have talked about before, something to do with it, because if you look at it, a lot of the rookies are at the bottom of that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, scrambling does not have something to do with it, because if you look at um, some of the guys in other categories, Jones does not line up with them, like the Watsons and the Wilsons. So it, it's not because he's moving around a lot, because he tends to stay in the pocket even when he faces pressure. So I, I think part of it's processing, and I think the other part of it, and this is what Jeff and I stressed yesterday, is that as a young player, Jones was always trying to make a play. So instead of just saying, all right, I'll take my five-yard gain here and move on, I'll punt the ball, I'll throw it away, Jones was like, all right, I got to get a first down here. I got to make the play. I got to get downfield. I'm going to squeeze it in here. And I think he was just very aggressive in that way. And I think a lot of rookie quarterbacks are. They're always trying to make that play. And I think that's something that Jones fell into a little bit. I totally agree with John, and I think there's another piece to that pizza pie, and that is he never had his full complement of skill position guys on the field at the right. same time. And so, you know, he did not know week to week which of the guys he was going to have. So you have to believe that the chemistry factor, the timing of the routes, the specificity of, of which the routes were run, those things were not going to be perfect. And if you are a young quarterback and those things are not lining up exactly the way they're supposed to, what are you going to do? You're probably going to hold on to the ball another .5 seconds. Right. So, you know, these are all factors that kind of make the big pizza pie. Right. The one other thing that uh, is impressive about him, but I don't know if it's something he can work on, and I'll take uh, your answers off the air, guys. 
like a Russell Wilson or a Patrick Mahomes, uh, they all have improvising skills. Uh, Lamar Jackson's more of a runner, but he does have that ability to escape. Is that something that you can teach? In other words, the improvising skills. I I'll have the Tampa Bay game when obviously everybody was covering it, ran for a touchdown, the game was over. So I'm wondering, do they work on that kind of skill level? Um, you know, during practice, and say, if I don't see something, I can I can do this and I can run, or, or is it something that just comes natural to to quarterbacks? And I'll take your answers off the air, guys. Thanks again. Thank you, Scott. Um... I will say this, I do know that quarterbacks are taught to understand when it's smarter to maybe bail out as opposed to when it's maybe not a really good idea to bail out. But understand this, with the Giants receiving core last year, okay, they don't have a lot of guys who necessarily require extra attention going downfield because they didn't have, I mean, I know Slayton was able to do some of that stuff downfield, but they did not truly have the big play home run hitter downfield. Consequently, okay, teams are able to play their secondary a little bit differently. And if they are able to add that big play guy, let's just say a skyscraper or a 4-2-something burner downfield, that will change the way the secondaries play. It also may allow Jones better opportunities to see what's going on and it may open up some things for him that he might be able to take advantage of. Jeff, are you on the same page with me here, or maybe not? No, no, I, I, I get it. I, I, I understand that. Um, but I, I feel like it's very difficult to, te- to, to teach somebody how to, to improvise. I, I, I just think that it is natural ability. Um, and I also feel like it's, it's a sixth sense that quarterbacks have. Just like you know, a punting, I, I never looked at the rush, but I knew when somebody was close. So I think that's something you just over time you learn, um, and if your read isn't there and your progression isn't there, um, naturally you start to understand that things are going to start getting a little bit nasty here soon, and I'm going to need to do something, throw it away, or maybe just take a quick look, like the Tampa game, and at the middle of the field is wide open, you go. So um, there, there's a lot of times when coaching comes into the aspect where you're in meetings and you're looking on game film and the coach just blatantly asks the, the quarterback, what do you see here? And the answer he wants is, I don't see anything, so I'm going to run. You know, So there's all kinds of things that you can go over in the meeting room, but I really feel that it's a personal thing where guys come into the league and they just know how to do it. Yeah, That's the, the only thing you can really teach are the circumstances. Maybe I didn't That's explain right. myself clearly enough. Yeah. You can teach what are the smarter circumstances to take off and what are the smarter circumstances to just eat the ball. Yes, and, and you know, it's, it's a great question, um, Scotty. And, and, and John and I kind of touched a little bit on it as just, you know, just getting more comfortable as experienced quarterback and understanding, you know, what to do in situations. And, yeah, you, they're teachable moments. Um, but as you get older, they become just more natural to you. You know, maybe right now as a young player, these are things that need to be pointed out in practice and in, and in game film and in meetings. But, you know, Eli Manning uh, to this day was still, was still always being coached about what to do. But, you know, in his 15th year, he understood that I, knew, I know what to do with the football, where Daniel Jones, you know, we talking about it yesterday, just has to be a little bit more careful with the football. And that just comes from experience. I think one thing that we did not see a lot of last year with Daniel, and I'm, and again, maybe you, your eyes saw differently, Jeff, but I didn't see Daniel give up on plays very often. 
where he just saw what he saw and said, okay, that's it. I'm throwing the ball into the third yeah. row. No. He, he did not do that a whole heck of a lot last year. Yeah. And sometimes coaches will tell you that's do the it. smartest play. No question. Yep, and we touched on that a little bit. Um, just being smarter with the football and understanding um, if it is third and long and you can't get the ball past the sticks, then just you know live another day, get your punt team out there, and put your defense on the field. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Also, situational football. Understanding when is the right time to throw it into a tight, tight window um, and when, when is the not-so-good time to do it, depending on where you are in the game and what you're trying to accomplish. So, again, and it all, the needle always points back to reps, experience, um, and understanding of an offense. There's, there's players, you know, when you talk about smart guys, I mean, Daniel Jones is one of those cerebral learners, so he understands, and you'll, he'll be able to understand a play. Um, but there's also his athleticism and his want to complete and make a big play that gets him in trouble sometimes. See, that was one of the things that, that I suggested that Darius Slayton can improve upon. Slayton did make a number of big plays last year downfield. Sure. What he did not do enough of, and this is where he's got to take his game to the next level, go and check out how many times he made a big play downfield on third and long. I think he only converted something like two times last year where he converted like a third and 12 or longer. And mm. those clutch big plays, it's not just how many big plays you make during the course of the season. Anybody can catch a 25-yard pass on first and 10. But now when it's third and 18 and you catch the 19-yard pass that moves the sticks, that's what separates the really great big play receivers from just another guy. Yeah, and 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 that's another thing. You know, that, that's a trait that is learned um, through reps and and being experienced in game situations. Because you know, as a receiver, you can run off your cornerbacks. As a receiver, you can you can play games with those guys, right? With your eyes and your feet. And and the good route runners of the National Football League are able to get open at third and eighteen and get that nineteen yard catch. Plus, you win at the point of attack, right? And he's a big guy. Um, I don't know how strong of a guy he is, but he's a, you know he's not that big of a guy. But he's strong, and I mean he can get up, and he's got some good ball ball hawking skills. So, you know, I know that this year with the way that Jason Garrett likes to throw the football down, don't be surprised that 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 connection is going to be hooking up a lot, and it's going to be fun to watch. Well, see, though you're usually Golden Tate is your best yards after catch guy mm -hmm. on the Giants. Oh, absolutely. And he's their best route runner. Okay, mm -hmm. however, however, despite the fact that he averaged 13 yards a catch last year, let's not pull any punches here. He is really known as more of a medium-range receiver. Sure, and makes he, big plays from there. Yeah, and, and, and that's the difference, okay? When you're talking about getting the ball downfield, when the defensive backs are playing the sticks and they're using the sticks to their advantage – that's when you've got to be able to make the big plays. In spite of what the DBs are doing with the sticks, you've still got to be able to make that big play and convert that first down. Yeah. When Darius Slayton starts to do that on a consistent basis, and again, he was only a rookie last year, so please don't think that I'm picking on him because I think he was sensational, sure. and I think that the sky's the limit for him. But when he starts to do what I just described, he will take his game to the next level. 
And that's where his road should be pointed towards right now. That's what mm-hmm. he's got to be getting to. Yeah, and he needs to be, become a good route runner. And, you know, by watching Golden Tate, probably one of the best in the National Football League at running routes, that's why, he's, that's why he does what he does because his routes are so crisp. And, by the way, when you have a good route runner, ask any quarterback how you like those kind of guys because you know uh, when these guys are throwing spot balls that, that if you know that that receiver is a good route runner, you know he's going to be where you're going to throw the football. If you have mm-hmm. a guy that, that cuts off routes and doesn't take the right angles and things like that, that's where you see balls in the ground, balls to go over the head, and you're sitting there saying to yourself, what is wrong with this quarterback? Well, the problem is that the guy's not running the right route, or he is running the right route, but he's running it wrong. You know what I'm saying? He's, not, he's where he's supposed to be putting his foot in the ground at 12 yards. He's putting his foot in the ground at 10 yards, and I'm throwing the ball to, to uh, you know, a timing route, and that's what happens. So well, if how many get- times did Ruben Randall screw up Eli? <laughs> <laughs> oh, come, Jeff, come no, on. I'm not going to pull punches I, I laugh because it's funny that you say that because when I I was thinking of the same guy. I mean, oh, my goodness. It's just it's unbelievable to me. He had a lot of talent. When the Giants took him, they had said they considered him in the first round when they drafted him in round two. Yeah. He had a terrific skill set, <sighs> but, but he didn't have all the other stuff that goes with it. Well, I, I feel like Darius Slayton has the skill set, and I feel he's a guy that will commit to his profession and his job and really kind of sponge up and the learning um, from those other guys. And I think if you look at his progression last year as getting in the lineup because of, of uh, you know, Shepard being hurt and him breaking in there and getting some playing time, that tremendously is going to help his maturation going forward. And I think that he's, he is a guy that will learn. And now you have these new coaches. Um, but, you know, he has one that stayed. Tyke Tolbert stayed with this staff. So that's a good thing that the receivers have their coach back. All right, Jeff, we go back to Twitter. And, uh, we, have, right. and we have another comment here that I wanted to address. Big Blue in the Bronx says, Surprised we have not heard any rumblings about uh, John Jalapio the offensive lineman, and the Giants. We know he is rehabbing, and GM Dave Gettleman loves him a lot. Well, Gettleman uh, suffered an Achilles uh, tendon injury uh, near the end of last season. Well, Gettleman, fact, didn't. It was... Gettleman didn't. But oh, did I say Pio Gettleman? Did. I meant yeah. P.O. <laughs> Thank goodness. Just want to make sure that everybody knows that Gettleman didn't have Achilles injury. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Remember, it, it was the fourth quarter of that Philadelphia game, and, uh, you know, anything about him in a while now i guess when gettleman talked in the spring he did were monitoring him and that uh, he was certainly on their minds but recently jeff i have not heard a word and it is getting a little bit late to try to Mm. see about what his status is yeah could be by design um yeah I, i i don't know i don't you know i don't really know what to comment on it i mean i i know he likes them um we don't know what you know, we don't know how his injury is progressing. Maybe it's taking longer. And, um, you know, obviously every person that we ever talk about, we always have to say he has to pass a physical, right? So maybe they they don't feel he could do that. I'm just guessing. I don't know. Um, or they're going to. I don't to, know either. Or they're going to say, you know what? Here, as soon as we start going into pads, these padded practice in phase three of our program, we're going to try to find as a center. And uh, right now we've got Spencer Poli in there. Uh, he's our guy, and we're going to see who's going to be behind him. And they don't really know. I mean, I'm looking at the depth chart. There's nobody behind Spencer Poli. So, and they've got to be practicing some other guys. I mean, we haven't been able to see it. But then certainly there's, there's somebody backing him up. So is, is it Lemieux? Um, who is it? I don't know. 
Well, Pro Football Talk did have an item that I think is appropriate to bring up at this time because the NFL has now cleared all the teams to bring guys in for physicals and workouts. Yeah, this is interesting. We know prior to this, because of the pandemic, you couldn't do that. Now, maybe Jalapio kind of falls into that basket. Yeah. Because obviously coming off of an Achilles, nobody is going to sign him unless they figure that he checks out okay. And even the same team he came from. So, I mean, they got to bring him in, right? Yeah. He's a free agent. So uh, that's my point is that maybe it's just that they haven't been able to work him out and he's not healthy yet. They don't know that. But this is interesting because um, I don't know all the specifics, and maybe you do, Paul, as far as the, um, I guess, the protocol for are you able to bring these guys into your facility or are they going to, like, what's going on here? Because, you know, obviously you know how it's a fortress down there. Uh, letting people in and out. So I'm just kind of curious of how one guy coming from Colorado to New York City, I know the travel restriction, things like that, or just, I don't know. How is it going to work? I think well, I, I'm not even sure where P.O. is living these days, yeah. and you're right. Well, I'm what just talking about anybody for that matter. In, well, yeah, but I'm using him as an example because that's what we're building off with the question. Because, you know, if a player, let's just say player X, okay, you want to take it off of him, player X is living in a hot spot, and God knows there are too many hot spots around the United States right now. Does that prevent you from bringing him in because he's got a quarantine? Yeah, or are they, or are they you know, your scouts, your area scouts, are they, um, usually they're up here during training camp, right? So um, maybe they're stationed, they're not allowed, they're not coming up here anymore, and they're stationed around the country, and they're going to, um, maybe work those guys out at a remote area or something, you know. So, and keep well, here's in- what Pro Football Talk said. Okay, uh, Tom Pelissero of NFL Media had the initial report. Pro Football Talk picked it up, says that uh, they the league has lifted the prohibition on tryouts effective immediately. The NFL had banned teams from bringing players into their facilities until recently, when they have now eased the restrictions for physicals. So all these guys can now work out for any team. Uh, it says the NFL will limit teams to working out eight players per day, according to Pelissero, and free agents will need to pass two COVID-19 tests okay. Okay. before being allowed on the field. Gotcha. There you go. So, so that's, that's at least that's at least two and days. Whether of, or not. Yeah. I mean, listen, yeah, that's, yeah, that's at least and, coming and, in a couple of days know. early, right, if they test them back to back. Yep. All right, 201-939-4513, running out of time on this program. Another item that Pro Football Talk had, and this one should not surprise you, Jeff, we've been talking about it for months. Now it's closer and closer to becoming a reality. The NCAA is losing conferences and teams to play football this fall by the minute, it seems. (laughs) And it does appear like the networks in the NFL would be very eager to start moving some Sunday games to Saturday because it would help out the programming schedule. It would certainly produce more revenue for the NFL because the networks would pay them for those games on Saturdays. And the speculation on Pro Football Talk is that maybe Saturday would wind up being a triple header day with games at 1, 4.30, and 8.15. Well, now, I don't know how far in advance they would do these Saturday game schedules. I'd like to believe they would do it sooner rather than later because, to me, I'd hate to see coaches and players have to jockey around. It's bad enough that they've got to deal with the flex schedules on Sunday night without having to deal with flexes on Saturdays, too. Well, 
I, 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 I guess I'm, in my opinion, this is, it has to, if the, all of college football is canceled, because, you know, if some of these other big five schools depend, if they start playing, those are your Saturday games, right? I mean, so um, I don't know if the NFL wants to conflict with college football on Saturday. I don't think they can if there's college football. So it's one no, or the they, other. They have agreements with the NCAA that they would not play on NCAA yeah. Saturdays until the very end of December right. when the regular season in college is already over. But listen, but the, it does the, appear like, you know, Saturdays are going to be open now. Well, first, well, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, yeah, but not, you know, not there's three other conferences that are today said they're going to play. So I don't know. We'll see. But listen, if, if it worse comes to worse, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, complain that they're playing football on Saturday too, because you got to replace football Saturdays for football, right? I mean, I love college football. I want, I'd rather see college football on Saturday, but if you got to have football on Saturday and Sunday and Monday and Thursday, then let's do it. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I will tell you this, as much as I don't like the crazy off day scheduling, I think that for the players and the coaches, the Thursday night games are vicious I don't oh, so yeah. much mind the Monday night games, but I think the Thursday night games are really vicious, and obviously they are all about uh, the economy of the game. Uh, clearly, if they play triple headers on Saturday, mm-hmm. that is going to mean a lot of Benjamins <laughs> because you're going to get a ton of advertising revenue for the networks, and they're going to be forking over a lot of money to the league. And may I add, because of the hits that the NFL has taken due to the pandemic, it's not necessarily uh, a bad idea for them to try to recoup some funds. Sure. Well, then, you know, they're going to lose all the concessions, the gate receipts, and all that kind of stuff that go into those games where there's fans in the stands. So they, they're going to look for a way to recoup some of that, you know, Daddy Warbucks. That's for sure. Well, now, let me ask you this, Jeff. If you were uh, still a player and you were told that this, this could happen, mm-hmm. realistically speaking, I know nobody likes the flex games for obvious reasons, the way that they do that, but they, they tell you if you're going to be flexed out of Sunday night two weeks before that game is played. Yeah. Do you think that's enough time sure. if you were a player and you were going to be told, okay, guess what, in two weeks we're going to play a Saturday game instead? Is that, yeah. is that realistically okay with you? Yeah, Or would is. you want to know before the season starts where your Saturday games are going to be placed? Well, if I, have, I would love to know that if, if I had a chance. I mean, that would be great. So, you know, that's got to be known in the next month. Um, but I think as, the, as this kind of, you know, this is so fluid, everything, that if you came to me and said, you know, you guys are going to be playing on a Saturday in two weeks, that's okay. We get that Sunday off uh, regardless. And, and you know what? To be honest with you, a lot of NFL football players don't get to watch a lot of NFL football live. You know, we, we watch it on film. But when you think about playing Saturday and having Sunday off, maybe go in for an early workout and then be able to watch football. That's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. wouldn't I wouldn't it wouldn't bother me as long as you have I mean, if they dropped it on you the week before. Yeah, because you need to have those days off that are required. Um, but two weeks in advance is fine. I think that's fine. Now, I'm just curious, curious, like, you know, if they did that and then all of a sudden they're going to have to segue some of the teams that are playing on Saturdays are going to have to move into the Sundays and the guys that were playing on Saturdays will move back to the Sundays. And I don't think it's that big of a deal. I really don't. Okay. One more Twitter comment before we go. Danny Thomas on Twitter says Darius Slayton's going to have over a thousand yards and touchdowns. He's going to the Pro Bowl this year. Yeah. That's pretty lofty. That's very lofty. Yeah, in fact, um, <laughs> I know Nate Burleson 
I read on Twitter um, that he had his like him as being one of his breakout players for the Giants, and and actually he said too going to the Pro Bowl. Did well, he I'll really? tell you what, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, it and that came, a, that comes from a receiver. So yeah, that would be, that would be a welcome sight for sure. Boy, I mean, what a you know! I tell you what, if that happened, uh, that's just a heck of it's already a heck of a draft pick, right? I mean, um, no doubt. And so that's one of those things where every team likes to hit on one of those guys, you know, every year or every other year um, that that shows you that they did their due diligence and they went out and they found one of those guys that can come in and get drafted. Was he a six rounder, Paul, or five, five or six? He was a five. five. So finding, you know, a guy like that and then ending up in the Pro Bowl two, two years later would be remarkable. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. All right, Jeff, that'll do Thank you, Paul. Thank you for all the calls. We appreciate it. Hope everybody stays safe and well. Yeah, a lot of fun, fellas. Once again, uh, make sure you jot down the number, 201-939-4513. We are here, Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com, every weekday from Eastern time in the afternoon to take your phone calls regarding the football Giants. He is at Jay Fegels. I am at Giants WFAN. So long, everybody. We'll see you again next time.